God is not versus science. Science is because of God. It's just taking what God has done and we're starting to understand, oh, that's how it works. And there's still so much more. We're never going to learn it all. But all it is is we are slowly starting to understand how God does. And the whole scientific method is exactly almost what he wants us to do with the word. The Bereans searched the scriptures every day because they refused to take Paul's words at face value. Thank you for joining us on the Orangewood Church Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on our latest news and events. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube for more content and to know when we are live. We hope today's message inspires you and leads you closer in your walk with God. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy December 26th. Everyone have a great Christmas yesterday. Got to spend with your family and friends. Mine was a little early. I went back home for Christmas uh, last week. Got to see my family for the first time in a year and a half. So <laughs> that, was, that was good. It was uh, much needed for sure. But uh, uh, crazy enough, I drove. Most people don't understand why I would have done such a thing when there's planes. There's <laughs> the ability to just fly to Reno. So it was a 10 and a half hour drive. And I went up straight up through the middle of Nevada. So it was nothing but desolation and just snow <laughs> everywhere. Um, I actually loved it. So the strange thing about me is that I really enjoy moments of just peace and where you can just kind of hear yourself think because we're so surrounded by sound, which when you think about it is really the first time in human history that we have actually been so surrounded by sound. And not just even audio, but even just visual sound. We're bombarded with ads and videos and pictures everywhere. And we're always listening to music. You're in the car, you're at home, we're here, we're talking. There's always noise around us. And if you've ever gone hiking and you're out by yourself and it's almost as if like someone hit the mute button, it's just silent. And it's almost like uncomfortably silent because we're not used to it. But it's really, we're the first time in human history that's the case. Because even just 200 years ago, silence was normal. There wasn't radio, there wasn't a phone, you didn't have speakers, you didn't have constant noise. So it's really strange that us, we're so used to noise, but most of our ancestors would think this is weird. <laughs> it would be completely clueless as to why we surround ourselves intentionally with so much sound. But the whole noise of this whole Christmas season, we hear a lot of messages. We hear a lot of messages. Some of you may have gone to several different services yesterday because you've got family that goes to this church and another person that goes to this church. So you go to the, all these different services and you hear all these messages and they're so amazing and you don't know where to start and where to, where to even work on what you've just learned. And that's just kind of how it's just feeling this morning because one, just how amazing is it that God gave us the words with which we get to praise him? Like he gave us the words to throw then throw back in his direction in praise, in worship, in awe. And so this just morning, just while I was sitting there and just like, I don't even know what I'm going to say right now. There's so many things, there's so many thoughts running through my mind and that's just how my brain works anyway. So it's really fun. So just buckle up for the ride here. I'm going to try and get on track. But 
Um, this morning was one of those hectic mornings, if you've ever had one of those, where suddenly you remember, oh, this needs to be done, oh, and this needs to be done. That was kind of what this morning was. Yesterday, I was thinking all yesterday of what exactly how I want to present this and how I want to share my heart and what God has laid on my heart. And then I'm thinking, all right, I got it all set. We're good to go. And I came in this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I need to put that Facebook post so people have the link so that they know how to get on to the live stream. Oh, and I didn't update the songs. Oh, and I didn't do this. And suddenly it was all these things that suddenly had to be done. So I'm writing the finishing notes while I'm keeping track of the lyrics on screen, making sure everything's accurate and just kind of multitasking back there. So if you want to know a little bit about what my week is like, usually it's getting as much of that stuff done during the week so that when I come in on Sunday, all you see me doing is click, click. That's because I've done my job. <laughs> That's because all the hard part is done during the week. So today, I got to learn myself why I don't do things the last minute. That's why. <laughs> I don't have to be stressed. Um, but so even the one thing that I even forgot just now was for those, it's not pertinent to anyone here because there's no graphic down here, but for those of you on the live stream, it said Josh Blinson because I forgot to change it to my name, which is Stephen Twyford. So for those of you on the live stream, I am not Pastor Josh Blinson. I am Stephen Twyford. So <laughs> there you go. So that was the one thing that I realized that I forgot. But if that's the one thing I missed this morning, I'm okay with that. I can, I can live with that. Uh, so songs are powerful, right? Songs convey so much meaning to us. Like we learn songs throughout entire lives, especially if you grew up in the church, you learn these little melodies that usually end up getting dragged in front of the audience, in front of all your parents to perform because they want to know what's going on in children's church. Well, here you go. Here's all of our little songs. And a couple of them I've recently remembered, even just before this message, um, I was thinking of the songs that I learned as a kid, and one of them was called White as Snow. And I don't know, Melissa, I think she knows that one. That's great, because it's the first person that's actually <laughs> understood that one. Um, but that one goes, White as snow, white as snow, Though my sins were just as scarlet, Lord, I know, Lord, I know, That I'm clean and forgiven. By the power of your blood, by the wonder of your love, through faith in you I know that I can be white as snow. And it just repeats, and it goes and goes. And it's something that I learned, that was one I learned when I was in children's camp um, in New Mexico, of all places, just far, far away from Reno. And it stuck with me. And I didn't really, you learn these songs as a kid, but you don't catch the meaning until you get older. And then you really think about it. Because when you think of snow, you can tell the difference when snow is not white. You know when a dog has been there in that snow, right? It's pretty obvious. So when you have this imagery of white as snow compared to the color scarlet, it's a huge, huge difference. And the more as I grew up, going from kid to teen to in my 20s, and the more I learned that faith wasn't so much of this checklist. It's not this legalistic thing of, I got to do this today. I got to make sure I went to church today. I got to make sure I read my Bible today. That's what I learned as a kid. It was very rules-based. But then I got in my teen years, and I started learning, it's not so much that. We do those things, but not because we have to, but because we love to. We want to worship. We want to spend time with God. We want to do these things to get to know him and be closer to him. And then as I got into my 20s, it was even more so just learning just how much of these things that we do each and every day 
is, they're wonderful, and it's great to do these things each and every day. But again, it is not something that he's going to shame us because we missed one day of reading. It's because we just want to be in and around him. The more and more we spend time with him, the closer we get to him, the more that we grow with him, and it's just incredible. The second song that I learned was one my dad taught me. So the funny thing about my dad is he's a very closed-knit person until he just reveals something that you should have known all along. And he, every year, I just learn new and new things. And so when, one of the things he taught me recently was that when I was adopted, my adoption was a closed adoption. So they said, you know, they didn't know my parents. They didn't know my original birth name. Well, then one, one year, while we're sitting around the table, he goes, did you know that your original birth name was Thompson? And I just looked at him and said, oh, really? <laughs> like, I am 29 years old, and you're just now telling me this. <laughs> like, I thought you said you knew nothing. I don't understand. And uh, so one of the things he recently surprised me with was that for about 20 years, he did children's ministry. I had no clue, never brought it up, never told me anything about this. But I thought that was just so awesome. And one of the songs that he used to sing to me when he would tuck me in at night as a kid, he would say, I love you and God loves you and that's how it should be. I love you and God loves you and that's how it should be. I love you and God loves you and that's how it should be. Put me on your list. Let me be the first. I love you today. And it was just a sweet little song that he would sing. And so it's like all these, I would just grow up with this, like knowing these words. But my favorite, of course, and the one that I still remember, unfortunately, the motions to, is the one about the, the rains coming down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And everyone's favorite verse, for at least all my friends, the first was the second half of that song. Because it was, the, the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came pouring down. And then when you finish that one, it was everyone's favorite. And there were people get super and super jazzed up about it. And you get to that final part where it says, The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went smash. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just loved doing that one. They'd get they would get really into it, and it was it was always so fun. But <laughs> there was a couple of times I remember a couple of my friends would be on a step like this, and so they'd do that, and they just go straight into the ground. <laughs> it was always a always a great time. But those were the kinds of things I remember, like growing up as a kid. But that one is kind of more pertinent to where I'm going today. So I'm done singing. You're good. You're welcome. Um, but uh, that one is uh, is all about faith. And it's Jesus is telling that parable about faith and what it's built on. It can look beautiful. You can have a very beautiful looking faith to those in the church and outside the church. But if it's built on something hollow, it's going to fall. And it's going to be a very, very spectacular fall. And how dangerous is that? So if faith is not based in truth, it's going to collapse. So this series, The 12 Days of Christmas, based on the carol, Growing up, and actually it was until we started this series, I had never heard that the 12 Days of Christmas Carol was a Christian-based song. Never heard that. I always just thought it was equivalent to Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's just a song we sing at Christmas because it's fun. I didn't know what a partridge and a pear tree was. I always thought it was partridge and a pear tree, and I was like, how is that the first gift? There's two gifts. I don't get it. So like for the longest time, I just never understood the meaning. And then you know, I, we started doing this series. I was like, oh, it has meaning. That's really cool. 
Well, me being who I am, I love random facts. So if you want to know something random, I probably know it or know about it because my brain just loves to absorb random information. And so hearing that, I wanted to dig deep into the history of that. Really, you know, when was the first time the song was sung? And as I started looking into the history of the song, it started to become a little bit clear that it might actually not be of Christian origin. It started out as a poem that then turned into a song and then had several different versions, and then the church used it for its words. Now, that might be uncomfortable, especially if you've grown up knowing all along that this was a Christian song, but it doesn't change anything. Knowing that maybe, just maybe, that song didn't actually originate in the church doesn't destroy anything about what God or Jesus did. It might be uncomfortable sometimes when we learn truths that are unsettling because it's counter to what we have learned our entire lives. But when I learned that, it just made me, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And what's even more interesting is just that whole, you know, which stretches out that five golden rings. Originally, it didn't do that. You would just sing it like the rest of the song. There was no emphasis. And so it's like we've changed and added things over the years because people have different preferences or someone gets a wild hair and decides, let's make this longer. And so they do things like that. And it's fun to do stuff like that, but it's also important that we're just honest with where it comes from and where we come from as a church. People won't listen to us if we don't deal in truth. People won't listen to the word if we don't present it in a light of truth. And sometimes that's really difficult to do because we learn things, we grow up with something, it's a family tradition, we've been doing it for years and years and years, and this is the way it is. And it's almost like we get stuck in something just because we want it so badly to be true. But it's so important that even when that's the case, we're able to take a moment and say, you know what, though? It's okay. I can admit this. And people respect you so much more when you can admit that you either don't know something or even that you were wrong versus when you pretend like you knew all along. Because then people don't trust you anymore if you refuse to admit, if you refuse to just be honest. That's all people are asking for is authenticity. People love authenticity. The hard part is, for us, maybe it might be difficult learning about a truth of where something came from in history, where something came from in the Bible, but imagine what that would have been like for Jesus. Because Jesus, remember that most of his, his, most of his time on earth was spent in his 20s. So Jesus is this millennial slash Gen Zer going around telling everybody that you're doing it wrong. You're living life wrong, you're living faith wrong. And there were several different examples. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't stand up against an evil person. Later on, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you. He often had this phrase, but I say. He was correcting them. You have been learning for generations from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees, from the teachers of the law that this is how you are to live life, yet here's what I say. Again, this is a 25-year-old telling these people, here's what I say. Here's what I know is true. You wonder how hard it is for us to listen to others. Sometimes it's harder to listen to others who are younger than us. Because we think, well, I've got wisdom, I've been around, I've been doing this for longer than you. Who are you that you have any credentials, any accreditation to tell me what is right and what is wrong? But Jesus did. Jesus had the biggest credential of all, son of God. (laughs) 
No one has any bigger credential. If you see that on a resume, that tops everything. Son of God. Well, that's that. <laughs> this hired. <laughs> you can clearly do it all. So, but they didn't know that. We have, the problem with history is that we have the privilege of looking back at history and saying, how could they, how could they miss it? Of course, the Son of God is telling you this. The problem is, is they didn't know. They just, there's this young man out in the world speaking all these truths to people saying, this is how God is wanting you to live. What are you doing? And they're wondering, who, where, where are your credentials? Who is giving you permission to say these things? You, might, you start to get an idea of why the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so angry when people would follow him. In fact, in one, going back to the whole song thing in, in Luke chapter 19, there's a part where he asks, he needs a donkey. And so his disciples go out and they get this donkey and they're covering it and they're bringing it in and everyone starts getting really excited and they're starting to say things like, you know, the king of, the king of heaven is here and they're starting to praise him. And the Pharisees are coming up to Jesus and say, you need to tell your followers to knock it off. Stop saying this. And Jesus reprimands him and says, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. There's no choice. Something is going to praise God. If we stop praising him, then something else in creation is going to praise him. But it made them so uncomfortable because they didn't understand how this guy who didn't follow a rabbi, Jesus didn't follow after a rabbi, he didn't spend his years like other Jewish boys going through the normal way of life. Where does this Jesus get his qualifications? Isn't he just a carpenter? Who does he think he is that he knows more than all of us? We have been studying the law for generations, for centuries, and here he comes in changing everything. It's, it's just a really strange dynamic, but it, it's amazing like what we see in the response of those who actually seek him. Because the Pharisees and the statues, all they could see is somebody who's untrained, some young person who's crazy, but the people who followed him saw more because they took a second to listen. They took a second to realize, okay, maybe he knows what he's talking about. Let's give him a chance. Some of them followed him for his miracles, but some of them were curious. And when he spoke in parables, they asked questions. And there was a whole reason why he spoke in parables, because if you speak in a way that no one understands, and then they say, that's great, and then walk away, well, clearly they weren't interested. They have no idea what you just said, and they didn't ask any questions. They must not have cared. But when they stop and go, okay, but what does that mean? They're interested. Those are the people you want to talk to, because those are the people who are listening. They ask questions. They seek more. They come back for more. They come back for more of Jesus. Truth can be scary. Learning the truth can be scary. Sometimes you don't want to learn the truth. When Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot be my disciple. I'm not sure I want to learn that truth. That's a scary thing for somebody to say to me. I'm not sure I really want to do that. Jesus, what's, what's up with that? That's a little weird. Sometimes he said things that intentionally made people uncomfortable. I'm going to destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. He's going to do what? Vandalism? He's going to bust down our temple? What is this? Why are people following this guy? He's clearly unstable. They were only listening to him on a surface level. That's the problem with not digging deep, with taking things at face value. People often hate, well, not often. I will say that there are times where people pit the church, they pit God against science. And I've never, I've never understood that. God is not versus science. Science is because of God. 
It's just taking what God has done and we're starting to understand, oh, that's how it works. And there's still so much more. We're never going to learn it all. But all it is is we are slowly starting to understand how God does. And the whole scientific method is exactly almost what he wants us to do with the word. The Bereans searched the scriptures every day because they refused to take Paul's words at face value. It's Paul. You can trust him. Paul is this amazing man of faith. Of course he's telling the truth. And yet the Bereans still study the scriptures every day just to make sure. They didn't take any chances because they wanted to make sure that what they were hearing was honest, was real, was something that they could base their lives on. Imagine today if we had whatever, um, whatever famous preacher you can think of today, whatever famous person you can think of that is a pastor of a mega church, that if he were to come here or she were to come here and preach a sermon, would you have your Bible open and just think, now nah, they got it? Of course, it's this person. They, they've written 50 books. They're on all these videos. They know what they're talking about. I, I can just sit back and this will be good. Can't wait. But that's not what the Bereans did. Paul, the big celebrity, comes in and they're checking the scriptures. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's what, it is what that says. They're making sure because it doesn't matter. We're all human and we're all fallible. We make mistakes and it's okay. And we can admit those mistakes and we can learn from those mistakes because that's the whole point of faith is that it grows. The last two days, day 11, is the 11 pipers piping, which is the 11 faithful apostles, which we have a pretty good idea of who the 11 faithful apostles are and who was the not-so-great guy, Judas. I already hear some people muttering, Judas. <laughs> it's like, Judas, Judas is the one that walked away. Judas, and I don't know why I made this connection, but Judas is kind of like our Benedict Arnold. That would be our U.S. comparison. It's the name synonymous with betrayal. That's how your name is now remembered in history. You are the traitor. Judas was the unfaithful one, but there were so many other times that there were other disciples who had moments of faithlessness. You think of Thomas, who was in the room when Jesus came in, and everyone else is saying, it's Jesus, he's back. It's exactly like he said, he's resurrected. And then you have Thomas off in the corner saying, no, it's not Jesus. I would know. I'm the authority on who's Jesus, and this guy's not Jesus. Show, show, show me your hands. Show me the wounds in your side, and then I'll believe you. So Jesus does. Look. And then, of course, Thomas says, oh, okay, yep, you're Jesus. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? Thomas, you believe because you can see. How much more blessed are those who believe who have never seen? I didn't realize for the longest time, but that also talks about us. We weren't there in that room. We didn't get to see Jesus walking in, resurrected, but we still believe. How much more blessed, because even though we didn't get to see it, we know it. Then we had another moment with Peter. Oh, Peter, (laughs) this guy. Peter is is, is is a work. Okay, because there's there's been some times that he's he's had some real faithless moments. Peter. One thing about Peter that he can say that we can't boast is he is the only human, right? because you can argue with theologians on how much Jesus was fully God, fully man. Was he fully God in this moment? Was he fully man in that moment? You can go back and forth, but Peter, we can argue 100% without a doubt he was fully man. Peter, fully man, is the only human to walk on water. Jesus called to him, said, come. He gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. But what happens? He sees the storm. 
the waves, the wind, the lightning, and suddenly he is afraid, and he begins to sink. He lost faith. It wasn't because Peter was so awesome that he was able to walk on water. It was his faith that did it, and then he lost faith. He doubted. The storm is so powerful. How, how could God keep me above the waves in this? There's so many messages you can speak on from just that passage alone. How many storms in our life that we go through that we, have, we doubt? God, you can't carry me through this. You've carried me through some rough times, God, but not this. This is it. This is my moment where I sink. Peter, a different time, he had, we, we forget that the disciples often had swords with them. But this wasn't so that they could go start trouble. This wasn't so that they could use these swords to go fight people. These swords were often just used as a way to deter wild animals from attacking them. So they had these swords, but then Peter decides to use his sword against a person. Cuts off his ear. And Jesus doesn't say, good job, Peter. Got him. He reprimands him and says, no. You live by the sword, you will die by the sword. And then he heals that man who had come to arrest him. Peter had all these moments where he just doubted and didn't show this faith. And of course, the worst was his triple denial. Jesus is hauled away, he's arrested. Peter's in the outer courtyard walking around thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Jesus is before the Sanhedrin. This is, it's all coming to an end. And people start recognizing him. Aren't you Peter? Don't you walk with Jesus? No, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know what you're talking about. Three times this happens. And the third time, they even recognize his accent. You ever have those moments? You ever see those moments in like sitcoms or movies where they recognize the accent and the person just changes their accent instantaneously? I recognize your accent. You're with him. Who? You. You're from Galilee. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not from Galilee. (laughs) You know, it's like suddenly they're just a different person altogether. (laughs) You didn't hear anything. I'm just somebody else entirely. Is this Galilee good? I've never been there. You know, it's like, it's like, you can't do that. Everybody knows who you are, Peter. Everybody already saw you, and yet he's still just holding up this facade of, I don't know Jesus. That third time, he actually put a curse on himself, it says. He curses himself. I don't know what you're talking about. Rooster crows. This is a pretty faithless moment for Peter. Especially, this is after Jesus said, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Doesn't seem like a very solid rock in this moment. Of course, after Jesus comes back, he has a chat with Peter and forgives him. And he forgives him in the way he says, do you love me? Oh, of course, Jesus. Then take care of my church. Do you love me? He asks him this three times to forgive him for his triple denial. He brings Peter back. It is... This moment of faith and what faith is all about is so difficult to, it's easy for us to to look back and say that we would do better. We look at Peter and say, oh, Peter, (laughs) if I were him, no way. I would have said, yeah, no, Jesus, what about it? What are you going to do? Right? We think that we would have this completely different reaction, but we don't realize that a lot of the lives of the people in the Bible are a very good analogy for us today. How many ways do we sometimes look back at our own lives and go, oh, yeah, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> shouldn't have said that. <laughs> we regret our mistakes. We want to learn from those mistakes, just as Peter learned. He wasn't perfect. But the biggest lesson in Peter's life is seeing how much he fumbled, 
but still seeing the result. Faith is not built in a day. This is the time of year where we start coming with these New Year's resolutions and saying, that's it, January 1st, new person. I'm getting in the gym, I'm getting in shape, I'm gonna stop this destructive habit, I'm done, let's go. Midnight, here it is. And we think that it works like that, like a light switch that you can just flick and suddenly you're different and it doesn't. Then you're frustrated when a few days go by and you still haven't gone to the gym. Which by the way, have you ever noticed if you don't go to the gym for several months, they don't cancel your membership as long as you pay? They don't care. They're not giving you your money back. They're not gonna guilt you and drag you into the gym. They don't care, it's your choice. If you wanna give them free money, they'll take the free money. You know, so people have to, they're not gonna hold you accountable to your own desires to change. You have to want it. And it can't just be a switch. It can't just be something that you think is gonna happen in an instant. It takes time. Peter took time. Peter stuck his foot in his mouth a lot. It took time to become the Peter that Jesus built the church on. It takes work. And sometimes that work is ugly. Sometimes that work is hard. There's this wonderful skit uh, by these guys, ironically called the skit guys. And one of their more famous skits is called God's Chisel. And it's like nine minutes long, so we don't, I don't have it loaded or anything like that, but I encourage you to search for it. Uh, but the, there's this part where God is played by one of the guys, and the other guy is just this guy who's standing there just broken. He's just done with his life, and God tells him, you have listened to so many voices for so long that are not of me. And that line always stuck with me. Out of everything that is said in that skit, it's stuck with me. You've listened to so many voices for so long that are not of me. We are surrounded by sound and ideas of how we're supposed to live lives, how we're supposed to be Christians, how we're supposed to be people in this century, in this decade. And it seems like the rules just keep changing. And it's so frustrating. We keep listening to voices that are not of God. He's telling us how he wants us to live. He's telling us how he wants us to be in this world. And we're missing it because we're listening to all these other ideas of what we're supposed to do. We follow fads and we follow all these things. Well, oh, their church is doing that. We'll do that too. Oh, their church has got that person. Well, we'll have that kind of person. And we'll, we'll add in all these different things because we're trying to add you know, butts in the seats because we want to see everything filled. And as much as it's great to have a, ch- a church that's full, to see a lot of faces here and to meet so many people, if it's just because we want to have that as a status symbol, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Our seats should be filled because people love God and see that this is a community that loves God and they want more of it. That's the reason why you grow. That's the reason why you expand. People see that those people have something and I want it. They don't just see that you have this hope all to yourself. That's not the point. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Another song you learn as a kid. You don't keep it to yourself. It's not just for you. God doesn't just give his love just so we can go and put it in a box, hide it under a bowl. It's so that we can be the city on the hill. We can be the people that chases after him. It takes time, though. It takes effort. It's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in an instant. But it will happen. If you look back over your life, I mean, look back even just over this year. What has happened in this year? A lot. Good and bad. A lot has happened in this year. A lot happens every year. And I love, I always hear people say, I can't wait for insert whatever next year is coming because this year was so bad. The unfortunate truth is every year is going to have bad things in it. It just happens. It's just life. People die. People get angry and do terrible things. 
diseases happen. There is everything, bad happens every year, but there are also so many good things that happen every year. People are born, people come to Jesus. That's a huge one that we don't celebrate enough. People coming to Jesus every single year, more and more. And I know we get into this habit of wishing. We can't wait for God to come back because we see how terrible this world is and we think this is it. It can't get any worse than this and it's never been this bad. Every generation has thought that. Every generation has dealt with something. Every generation has had war and disease. Does anyone remember the Black Plague? That was a particularly bad one. I can only imagine what people thought then. We have had horrible things every year, and, I, and I'm not saying that I don't want Jesus to come back. Don't hear me wrong on that. I would love Jesus to come back, but the only reason why I even might hesitate is because there are still millions of people who don't know him. There are still millions upon billions of people who don't live for him. And that should be enough to make us go, but hold on, God, we need to go get them. There's all these lost lambs, all these lost sheep that are still not in this pen. Hold on just a second so we can go get them so they can be a part of this too. That's what he's asking us to do with our faith and our lives. It's not to sit back and say, well, I know where my soul is going, so good luck. You tell me if you're interested. The whole idea, the whole, our slogan as the Nazarene church, as the denomination is to make disciples in the nations. It's not to take a step back and say, well, they can come to us. They know where the church is. It's for us to go to them and say, here's the hope that we have. Here's the excitement that we have. Here's the love that we have. Here, feel this. Do you understand why we worship him? Do you understand who he is? And if not, then help me to help you. I want you to get it. I want you to understand what I understand. I want you to have the hope that I have. That is our whole purpose. And that's all in faith. And then that last, the last day is on the Apostles' Creed. And I didn't have time to write it down, so bear with me. This is just going to be pulling it up. But the Apostles' Creed just says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. It is this beautiful little poem of our tenets of faith, what we believe, what we stand for. And it's, like, it's almost like a marching theme for us. Here is what we want to share to the rest of the world. Here is what we want the rest of the world to understand about our faith. This is what we believe. This is what we want you to understand. And if there's something that confuses you about that, then great, let's learn it together. Because everything is all about Jesus at the end. If Jesus is all that matters, then nothing else matters. That doesn't mean that every single conversation that you have to have has to be about a verse. I remember a comedian saying that when he was lost, he was at someone's house and he was saying, I can't find my keys. And he said there was that person that always goes, seek first the kingdom of God. He's like, I I didn't drive a kingdom, I drove a car. I'm just trying to find my keys. (laughs) So it's like there's, there's those moments where it's like you don't have to have a verse in every single situation, it's okay. You don't have to always talk about God when you're trying to talk about your, the, most, the next Marvel movie that you just saw. It's hard to in, insert God into that. It's okay. We have these conversations. We go about our lives. We talk about our kids. We talk about our schedules. We're at work. 
for me, it's talking about cars. That's a boring thing. There's so many things that we talk about each and every day that don't include the Bible. That doesn't mean that we need to somehow find a way to insert it. It just means that the way that we live our lives, people look at us and see God. They look at our lives and they see something to a supernatural degree. Last week, we learned about the fruit of the Spirit and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit and what that does in our lives. We should have peace to a supernatural degree. Understand it. We should have love and self-control and gentleness to a supernatural degree, to a level that people go, wow, how are you this person? Where does that come from? So as we go out into this world and we start a new year, because this is the last Sunday of 2021, as we're getting ready to start a new year, let's think about what faith means to us. And if faith is something that you're still building or rebuilding because you've gone through a particularly rough season, I understand. I get that. But remember, it's one day at a time, and God is with you every step because he wants you to march to this beat, to this drum. He's coming. He's coming into your life to change things, to change your friendships, to change your family dynamics, just by you being more in tune with him. Those things change, and you grow. And we start looking less like Peter, who puts his foot in his mouth, and Peter, whose rock is used to build the church. Father, we thank you for the words, for the lyrics, for the gifts that you have given us through your presence. You are an amazing, amazing God, and no word can fully sum you up. We can sing a thousand songs, and none of them would get close to your glory. I pray that as we go about our lives this today, this week, and this coming year, that you instill into us your love and your heart for this world. There are so many who don't know you, so many who have chosen to live without you, that we can be a lamp that shines the way back to the truth. Give us the patience with those who are against us, to pray for those who persecute us, to fight for those who are lost. We thank you so much for who you are in each and every one of our lives for the plans that you have for us. Amen.